This is the Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast. Here's your host, Corey Tusick. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. On today's episode, I interview Adam Ortolf. Adam O, as he's better known. Um, on Twitter, you can find him under the handle at Denver Bitcoin. Adam is with Upstream Data. And at Upstream Data, what they do is uh, they're part of the you know community that is working with energy companies and gas companies to convert wasted energy into electricity to mine bitcoin um you know so he has these hash huts that they sell to companies or lease to companies and they take them out and um basically put them uh where they're they're uh, extracting gas from the you know natural gas or what have you from uh from the earth and sometimes they have to flare the excess off um, and just put it out into the atmosphere. Um, so instead of doing that, or instead of selling it back to the grid for a you know, really cheap price, they're actually using that electricity to mine Bitcoin and earning a much higher yield. Um, so I thought that was fascinating. I wanted to talk to him about all that. We also get into the um, infrastructure bill and you know what that means for for mining and and uh, how that could potentially affect him. And then you know we get into a bunch of different things. I mean, we talk about the information and the information equalizer that is the internet. Um, and then we talk about how governments really can't kill Bitcoin at this point. Um, and, you know, I just really enjoyed my conversation with him. Um, and for the show sponsor today is Coinbeast Connect. Do you have questions about Bitcoin? Personalize your learning and book a one-on-one -on -one video call with a Bitcoin pro on Coinbeast Connect. Learn about mining, security, the Lightning Network, DeFi, taxes, and many other topics. It's really easy. Choose your topic and pro. Select a date when you're available and bring your questions to the meeting room. Book your first call today by going to coinbeast.com and clicking on the connect tab. Be prepared for the financial revolution and get the knowledge you need. And Adam's actually one of the pros that you can connect with on Coinbeast. So uh, definitely I'll include that into the show notes and that way you can click on it and connect right to him if you um, want to talk to him about mining and, and learn more about that, especially if you're looking to get into this business wise and and want to try that out. It's definitely a, a valuable resource to to use and talk to Adam. Um, if you want to connect with me, the Twitter handle on the show is at Bitcoin Simply. My personal one is at Tusik Corey. And then you can email the show Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks. According to um yeah don't worry about that because the I've, i think i've explained this before in the podcast but my office situation is such a mess like i mean i'm sure like if you're a home office or whatever like most yeah. of us um and our current house that we're we've outgrown like the office has turned into a bedroom like i have been basically shoved into the basement um and <laughs> So once the weather got nice, I was working outside a lot, like, which I like, you know, being in nature, all that good stuff. And then um, I had set up a, a situation where I was going to be able to be in an office temporarily until my streaming platform, until we kind of figure out an office and all that kind of stuff. Um, right. And that fell through at the last minute. I mean, literally the last minute, uh, like I was walking into the office and it fell through. I um, hate that. So I'm currently back. I'm in my, uh, and I was going to have been doing the podcast from the backyard uh, lately, but it is so hot today that I just couldn't handle it. Where are you at? I'm in my basement. I'm in Pittsburgh. No, I mean, are you in Pittsburgh? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I got my Steelers shirt on, you know, like totally professional. Nice. My, yeah, um, my, bro my brother-in-law is a big, a big Steelers fan. 
Uh, well, that's a terrible uh, towel, like every game, you know? Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a badge of honor. That is uh, the terrible towel sacred in this. uh, Sacred. You don't disrespect the terrible towel. Uh, We have a a song about that. You don't disrespect the terrible towel. Last time, like there were two times of people on other teams, like TJ Hushmanzada in 05, they beat uh, the Bengals beat the Steelers in Heinz field and he wiped his shoes with the terrible towel. And then we beat them in the playoffs and won the Super Bowl. So then like three years later, uh, Lendell white, if you remember him, I don't know if you're a football fan. Um, yeah. And uh, he was on the Tennessee Titans. They beat us in the regular season and he like stomped on the terrible towel. And then we went on to win the Super Bowl. So it's like, you don't disrespect the terrible towel. You do that and it's going to come back and come bite, back you, in the bite you. Yeah. So or, exactly. I assume you're a Broncos a, fan then if you're. I mean, not really. I, back in the day, I was. I mean, Bitcoin's one of those things that kind of destroyed sports ball for me. You know? Yeah. It's like circus, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's one of those things. Like, I love sports. Too. I played football, baseball, and basketball in high school. Um, so, you know, I was an athlete myself. And I really love baseball. But I just, I don't get, I mean, and certainly like in the last and I'd say the last five years, six years, like sports has been so politicized and so oh, yeah. virtue signaled that it's just, it's, it's dying. Like, yeah. It, yeah. It's like, what am I watching here? Like I'm watching, like these aren't, this isn't even really an athletic competition more as it is just like a popularity get together. Like it's like, a, they're, they're, they're like athletes are becoming more celebrity than they are athletes. Um, that'll weird. come back to that'll i think the pendulum will swing back because i agree with you i mean it's like you know i'm watching sports as like my escape from the real world and like everything that's going on around me so like and I, they like and they bring it in yeah they suck in all the virtue nonsense from the real world and they like made it a part of the sports now and it's like yeah and yeah. and like i think the nba is gonna see like i think the nba went with the strategy of let's focus on the players and not the teams you know people are fans of lebron so they'll be a fan of him wherever they go but that has long-term ramifications because teams really are about team loyalty you know where you're from like you know you're from denver you're a broncos fan boom you know like that's your yeah there's a there's a localism to it you know but if they if the nba like they went all in they were like oh it's, it's about the player and you have to market the players but like i always say you know whenever you know we have like, you know, Steelers players that'll sit there and start like, you know, kind of basically disrespecting the fans or whatever, or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I always say, I'm like, yeah, Look, I was too big for their britches, you know? Yeah. And I was like, I'm, I was here before you, I'm here during you and I'll be here after you. So like, you are nothing. You are just a player. You can, you know, Antonio Brown, go ahead, go do whatever you want, leave and, and yeah. we'll be fine. Cause I, I'm, it's about the team. It's not about the players for me. So, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. I could go on and on. I think it'll bite them in the butt and it's going to come back and, and uh, eventually they're going <laughs> to realize they've got a, they've got a, well, it already is. I mean, their ratings are shit already. I mean, they're oh, the Olympics <laughs> they're, too. Like I haven't watched a single, I, I watched like I was at a bar on a on a double date and i watched like in the background i saw like maybe three minutes of some women's swimming competition that's all the olympics i've watched this entire you know year and it's also weird because they keep referring to it as the 2020 olympics i know I'm like <laughs> because it's because it's like they're making up for last year or some shit like let's I, just I pretend that this whole 
thing didn't yeah. happen, you know. Yeah, um, let's just pretend like we're it's still 2020 for some reason. Let's try to pretend that we didn't just like ruin everybody's lives for no reason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I could go down that rabbit hole, but I won't. Um, oh my gosh, ridiculous! Cool, yeah. man. So how do you, how do you start this off? Let's let's uh, let's do it. Yeah, let's get into it. Um, I mean, yeah, basically, this is how I start off, and I just start BSing, and uh, and then and we. I, I was doing a Twitter Space last night, and I said, because so many everybody else, there's a lot of podcasts, and you got to find a way to differentiate yourself, and so it's like, yeah. I don't like I'm not that well versed in Bitcoin. Like I get it to the point where I'm like, I'm a maximalist and I can talk to other people about it. So I want to bring people in, ask them questions, figure out, like learn more for myself. But I'm such a bullshitter that it just like naturally has evolved into like this almost like a style, like just casual conversation and like, yeah, open forum. Yeah. Like we go down, you know, somebody, you know, like I, I write questions down ahead of time and then I find out that usually we end up touching like a couple of them and, you know, we go down like, you know, I had Dylan LeClaire on and we were talking about, you know, hockey because he played same college level hockey I did and like just stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, that's that's fine with me because everybody, you know, last thing I want to do is is bring you on and ask you the questions everybody heard you answer on another podcast. Um, you know, Yeah, that's and, true. And there's going to be some overlap, you know, inevitably. I mean, we there's there's not many, even though it seems like there's a lot of Bitcoin podcasts in the grand scheme of things, there's not many of us. So there's going to no, be it's overlap. a small world. I mean, really, it's just something that the Internet exemplifies is is how small industries really are, like how few people actually make the world go round. Right. I mean, yeah. even even in an industry like the oil and gas industry. Right. I spent I spent pretty much the entire year of 2018 going to oil and gas um, uh, conferences and conventions, right? So mm-hmm. I went to like, one of them's called Nate. It's a massive uh, conference in Houston. Um, you know, these little ones out in Kansas and up in Wyoming and Oklahoma and stuff. And I would go there and I would see the exact same people. Oh, like yeah. literally, like I got on a first name basis with these people, even though I, like, I saw them just, you know, a month ago in Wyoming and now we're down here in Houston doing the same stuff. Um, and then even to the point where you would, I would see the same people, but they'd be working for different companies, right? It's like really incestual yeah. to where even when people leave whatever position they're in, they go do that same job, like at, at another company, another com- literally another company, like maybe on, on like two floors up in the same building. Like it's, Dude, it's, <laughs> it's so funny. Cause crazy. that's exactly how the film business is too. You know, like people think it's just like big, huge thing. And I don't oh, even yeah. know if you know that that's my background, but like, uh, you know, I go to like the, the film festivals before COVID all over the world, you know, Toronto. Um, I mean, obviously being LA for stuff and then, you know, the Cannes film festival in France, Berlin, you know, in Germany. I mean, you know, you could go all out, out to Tokyo everywhere. And like, it would be the same people. Like I, I knew them on a first name basis. We'd run into each other and like, you know, almost like you run into your friends in the hallway in like high school where you're like, you know, have that right. quick like two second conversation. Hey, how you doing? You know? And like, we just pass each other by like, as if it's a regular day. And like, it hit me the one time I said to my brother-in-law who was working with me at the time, I was like, how weird is it that we're in Germany right now? And like, we just passed like three people and we're like, Hey, how you doing? You know, whatever. Like, yeah, let's catch up later. As if that's like a normal thing to be like, the last time I saw you was in California. And the next yeah, time exactly. I'll see you is like three months from now in 
you know, England. Like it's just, it's so bizarre. And, uh, and, but that's, yeah, it, it is incestuous because you, you sit there and you'd be like, oh, there's Galen. And like, you know, oh, wait, he doesn't work for that. That's a different company. Huh. You know, you're like, oh, he's, some, he's somewhere else now. And I'm, I'm sure a yeah, lot I think of Mar- Bitcoin's not much. Bitcoin's even probably like, you know, to a, to another level of, of being small. Right. I mean, it's a really pretty niche kind of community right now. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that the majority of Bitcoin, you know, people that are building and working for Bitcoin, I'm not sure how much of that is truly re- even reflected on Twitter, right? Like, is Twitter yeah. a good reflection of Bitcoin? I don't think so. I think the Bitcoin community is far larger than what, what Twitter is, um, like, significantly larger. There's, like, what, maybe a, a thousand of us out there on Twitter that are yeah. all, like, you know, talk about Bitcoin on, on a, a daily basis. Um, you know, it's interesting because we, you, you can talk about that in terms of, you know, nowadays you can talk about that in terms of the physical world, right? Because there's, there's certainly something to be said about, you know, localism and, and you know, how quickly and you, can, you can be connected with your, your neighbors and your community. I mean, there's so many apps now, like the neighborhood apps where people are like, yeah. you know, like grouping up. But beyond that, like with the internet and especially with things like Twitter, I mean, anything that you're passionate about. I mean, if you're like... If you're totally into making, you know, one one thousandth scale model airplanes, like you can find everyone else on yeah. earth that is into that. You know what I mean? And like you can and you can interact with them on a daily basis. And you can make that community and and that nobody's that gonna laugh. Yeah. No, no, no. It's like nobody's gonna be laugh or like it's all gonna be normal, right? And and you'll end up like knowing everyone in the world that's serious about making these model airplanes, right? Um, and it's to the point where if you end up meeting somebody that's that makes model airplanes and they're not a part of the internet community, you're like, dude, where? Are, yeah. Why aren't you online with us? Like everyone that does this is also here, so that no matter where we are, we can all be together. And so, like, I think there's this, you know, this is new. Like, I think I think we quickly, as as humans, we we quickly adopt technology, and we quickly make it the norm, but we don't take take note of the fact that we're early on in the development of something yeah right? like as far as we're concerned the internet's been around forever it's like it hasn't right the consumer internet's been around for like really about like 15 years yeah if we're gonna talk about the internet in your pocket even less than that really what well, twitter was twitter didn't get you know made what, until two, no 2006 i think 2006 maybe uh um but yeah yeah no that's when it was invented yeah i'm, I'm, I'm thinking only, on your phone 15 years yeah but like yeah. yeah and then you talk about the iphone right like when was the first iphone wasn't it i think it was like 08 think, or something like that or i think right 08 or 09 yeah something like that yeah so so it's like we've only really had the consumer internet for i mean oh 2007 i just looked it up so yeah 2007 for the first iphone so what we're talking about 14 years since the first yeah. iPhone. And the first iPhone really isn't even what we're talking about today with an iPhone. No, right? we're talking, I mean, now different. we're talking about having like augmented reality. You know, you can use your phone as like a, as like a measuring tool, you know, to measure distances between two points and things like that. I mean, we are just at the very beginning. This is, this is, you know, we're, we're a couple steps in to, to the consumer internet and we have this thing called Bitcoin now, right? And like Bitcoin came really quick. Oh of, yeah, you know, it was bang bang. It was internet Bitcoin. I mean, you could almost look at it that way, right? In terms of uh, consumer internet, and so it is crazy because it, it's gonna like you think about how much further growth we have to go in the consumer internet. Internet, oh. and Bitcoin's been this entrenched. It's like 
dude, this is going to explode. Like people have no oh, yeah. idea. Well, and think about this world. I mean, we, we're not even at a point in this world where everyone has, you know, economic and, and reliable, abundant electricity, right? Let alone yeah. internet, right? And so, you know, we still have, we still have, I think over a billion people to a billion and a half people to, to really bring into the modern era in terms of, you know, technologically speaking. Um, otherwise, they're left in the past, right? They're left to, they're, they're left to just kind of sit there and, and wither while the rest of the world can leverage technology and flourish. And, and it's yeah. a tragedy, right? I think Bitcoin's going to be something that helps to remedy that issue, right? Helps incentivize people to go out and, and take risk to provide electricity for others. But beyond that, I think, I think it's, you know, it's, it's that, it's that acceleration point where if you look at it on a graph, you think about, you think about a curve of productivity and technological advancement. And I feel like we're right at the part of the curve where we're just about to like pull our first or second G force, you know, like yeah, our faces are just about to start, you know, melting, we're if you will. We're going to start push, pushed into our seats a little more now. Exactly. Like I think, and, it, and because it's one of those things where as you develop newer technology, you can leverage that technology to develop newer technology. Right. And that's part of, I think it's a real huge part of the consumer internet is the collaborative aspect right? Just what I, what I just mentioned about the model airplane thing, right? Where, where anybody that's, that's looking to innovate or, or invent, right? In this world, they can, they can much more easily collaborate. They can much more easily get funding um, to, to do research and development. Um, they can much more easily get people excited and aware of, of one of their ideas, right? And so things are happening faster. And ultimately, I think, Bitcoin is this kind of natural result because it's, it's going to be the, the native economic driver of the internet. And, you know, we have this, this money that's native to the internet controlled by no one. It really makes, it really, it brings liberty to a lot of people who may not have liberty kind of in this physical world, like in the, whatever country they're living in, but if they're able yeah. to access the internet, they can, they can live freely in many ways, right? They can potentially, you know, have, have, sovereign control over their money, which is a pretty damn important way or important aspect to being free, right? The ability to, to physically move anywhere in the world and, and take your wealth with you without asking permission. Um, like, I think that these, it's, it's all kind of coming together naturally and mm -hmm. we underestimate how early we are. I think, I think we are, we're so quick to look back and just be like, well, you know, it's the internet's been around forever now. It's like, no, it yeah. really hasn't been around forever. Like, this is new. <laughs> this is still new. Yeah. And I always tell people, you know, like we, as humans, we tend to believe that we live in the penultimate moment of history, you know, where it's like, this is it. Everything's coming together. You know, like, you know, I mean, what did they with Vietnam and like in the 60s, like what did all the all the people at Woodstock think? They thought this shit is ending. You know what I mean? Like they were like, it's all over. Um, so, you know, we always tend to think that. But but we really are. We're getting closer and it's like, it's definitely one of the most exciting times to be alive. Um, oh, but definitely. also they're, they're also trying to, you know, shove us back in, in their, in our boxes. And, and I think that, you know, I don't, I mean, I, not to get into COVID, but I'm like, you know, it's a real virus. Definitely. You know, people get it and it makes them sick. Sure. Um, do I think that they powers that be have used it to manipulate uh, everybody? hundred percent. That's what I told my wife was going to happen. <laughs> right. When I told her in March of 2020, that that was, oh, no, was and happen. that's the thing. Like people act as though if you, if you, 
if you call out the, the hysteria or the, a lot of it is just truly just nonsense, right? A lot of it is just, just pretty blatant kind of these nonsensical procedures that yeah. apparently provide safety. You know, things like you have to wear your mask when you go to the bathroom and at a restaurant. And like, when you walk back to your table, you could take it off. You like, like all this kind of arbitrary yeah. bullshit that like everyone can plainly see is, is just ridiculous. When you push back against that, a lot of the times the knee jerk reaction is like, is that you're like a denier, right? Like you deny yeah. the existence of this thing. And I think that that's ridiculous. Like, I don't, I, I'm not going to deny the flu virus, right? The flu yeah. has always been around and the flu has always been really deadly. That's the thing is the flu has always killed tons of people every, you know, each year oh, yeah. way more than it should for, you know, considering where we're at with modern medicine. I um, mean, it's predominantly elderly people and it's predominantly people that are already sick and immunocompromised. Um, and it's and I think people it's too awful, always, right, I think people always us underestimate, like they go, Oh, I had the flu. And like, no, you had a cold. Like the flu is really bad. Yeah, the flu. The flu sucks. Yeah, like the flu is like you. 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 You sit there like, am I dying? Yep. <laughs> like, oh yeah. You have that thought like, oh my god, like do I go to the hospital? Um, and so, and, and the flu and it's really tragic, right? Like it's something we should strive to to be better at. Um, in in terms of treating the flu and preventing the flu, definitely, but not at the cost of liberty, not at the cost of our lives, right? Not at the cost of living. Yeah. Um, you know, I think is the is really what those who are on the side of the aisle that, that, that maybe tend to call this hysteria or nonsense like myself, you know, I think people that are on my side of that spectrum, we, I, I, what the way I see it is not that this doesn't exist. I think that it's just, this is just a bullshit overreaction um, and, a, and a, an opportunity for the state to, to grab liberties, right? And to, to yeah. really step over a lot of different lines that they haven't been able to cross until they could put, you know, quote unquote, emergency measures behind their behavior. And yeah. um, it's, it's telling, right? It's really telling. It's like, oh, well, okay. So next time, next time anybody wants to get anything done, all they need to do is, you know, convince everybody there's a virus and then they can, they can force push people through. to do whatever they want. Yeah. They can push through whatever freaking emergency measures they want. I mean, it's nuts. It's, it's like terrorism. Right. Yeah. It's almost like it's like what they did with 9-11 with the Patriot Act. Where it's like, oh, well, we're afraid of terrorists. So we're going to absolutely and utterly invade the privacy of every single one of our citizens. It's like, yeah, what? Yeah, I know. You, know, um, you like you, you step back and you look at it and you go, holy crap. You step wow, back to really the point where you're like, shit. Stuff. You step back and it makes people think, wow, like the, the ways in which they won from this, you know, this happening right whether it be like the 9-11 terrorist attack or or covid it's like it makes you think like they're incentivized to create these things because mm -hmm. look at how look at how much they're benefiting you know how much the state is benefiting from from the from the you know from the hysteria fear. and the yeah from the fear right yeah or the collective yeah. fear of people right whether it be the what, is, what is terrorism what is terrorism yeah. it's, it's creating fear, fear right? and other yeah. yeah it's all just fear yeah. what well, do you think that bitcoin plays into this at all because um you know i'd give just my general view it's like i don't think it's like a direct thing but there is something going on because they realize that it's over as far as the fed and like that video i sent you where like you know bitcoin like you know just slaying all the fud um uh from the kingsman i don't know if you've ever seen that movie but you should definitely see that movie if you haven't yeah i have seen the kingsman yeah it's 
Um, it was good. It was a good put together for sure. And uh, you know, it's like I feel like that is what they're doing right now, where they're like, "Oh shit, this thing's unstoppable." So it's like they're flailing and trying to to put the toothpaste back in the tube, and it's not going to happen. So like, do you yeah, see that? Yeah, I mean, I see. But there's a million ways that they can vilify Bitcoin. Um, they've tried, you know, probably half of them, yeah. and they'll and they'll keep trying the half that they've already tried, and then, you know, but this is this is. The thing about Bitcoin and the thing about the kind of the recent um, news around it, right, with the infrastructure bill the last kind of couple of weeks <clears throat> and talking about how regulators are going to treat um, you know, node operators and Bitcoin miners, um, the whole definition of a financial broker and things. What, it, what this shows is how it, it really matters. It's, it's, it's of vital importance that the network you're talking about when you're talking about um, transacting value is government hard, right? If you, yeah. if you want to talk about a decentralized immutable network, the words decentralized and the word immutable in that, in that context refer to being government hard, right? Refer to the, the fact that geographically, this is so decentralized, there's no single physical point of failure. But beyond that, it's immutable even by the most powerful entities known to man, right? And so I think what this is, what's, what's going to start to play out here is a, at least a more stark difference will come to light between Bitcoin and all this other shit, all the, all the vaporware, ERC-20 tokens, the Ethereum tokens, um, all this DeFi. They're not, they're not government hard. They're really not. Like the, the yeah. bottom line is these, these protocols could be shut down. These networks could be shut down. Um, I, I mean, I, relatively with relative ease by the United yep. States government. Like I, I truly think that Ethereum, right. If, if the United States government was to go after Ethereum, I mean, not only could they subpoena, um, you know, the, the Ethereum devs, right. The yeah. founders of the, of the Ethereum network, the beyond that, they could, yeah, they could, they could force, you know, Amazon web service to shut down the, Infu you know, Infura and they could really destroy that network. Like I, I'm, I think they could shut it down. Right. Because nobody else can run a Ethereum node. Nobody, I mean, you don't have a, nobody's got the hardware in their house to run a freaking Ethereum node. Nobody's running a full Ethereum mm -hmm. node except for, you know, <laughs> some some millionaire ETH devs and in Infura, maybe. Um, so I think that that's going to come to light. I think that the fact that Bitcoin is truly government hard money, that even all these bureaucrats, these suit and ties can get together. And even if they all vote unanimously to shut this thing down, they can't. Um, and, and that, that matters. That really is the value proposition that Bitcoin provides. Everybody is, is the ability to store value through time without counterparty risk. See, I'm mm -hmm. holding Bitcoin. I have no counterparty risk to that Bitcoin. There is nothing that anyone else in the world can do the Bitcoin I'm holding. Yep. There's nothing they can do. They can't turn on enough machines. They can't point guns at, at somebody to do it. There's nothing they can do. And that is a peace of mind, right? Like that is, that is something where in the midst of a world that's constantly reminding you of all the things you should be afraid of and telling you to be afraid of things you probably shouldn't be all that shouldn't afraid be, of. Yeah. yeah, you probably shouldn't tremble over. Um, in a world that's, that's inundating us with fear, Bitcoin is something you can fall back on, right? It's this little bit of hope, this assurance that like, well, no matter how fucked up it gets out there, like nobody can, can screw with this 
what what this is what I've worked for and nobody can take it. Nobody can bastardize it. Um, nobody can deflate it. Nothing. Um, and so that's, that's going to become ever more important here, even in the, in the first world. Now that, you know, this is something that's been on the forefront of people's minds, you know, in Venezuela and, and countries mm-hmm. like, you know, Argentina, even Chile, um, a lot of Central and South America, because we're fortunate in the United States. I mean, we have the best shit coin, right? The, the U.S. dollar is a really good shit coin. Like, yeah. it's, it's the best of all of them, right? Um, yeah, w- nobody wants one, but, I mean, if you're going to have to have one, that's the one to exactly, have. Exactly, right? But in, in around the world, like, the dollar is, is king still. I mean, whether you want to, you know, you, whether you're anti- Fed or not, which I am, I, I still know. I mean, I've traveled a lot, and when you when you pull out dollars, like you can get better prices, you, and you, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can get service when where you can't if you don't have if you don't have dollars. And so, Dude, for some of my businesses, like the wire transfers I send to other countries, when you see the oh. conversion, I'm like, my God, I have so much money. I, well, no, exactly <laughs> right. It's like it's all this just it's all nonsense, right? It's all just like this weird accounting game. But yeah, but then you go to you go to Mexico. Like I, I used to travel to Mexico. Um, with my family very often, like a couple times a year for over a decade. And it was always about 10 to one, right? It was always about 10 pesos to a dollar, right? Um, yeah. And like, that was just kind of the, the standard. But then it was always, you know, you'd go get a burger and it would be like 55 pesos, right? So it was like five bucks. So, so it was like the, the quote, you know, the more or less price would end up being the same. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And nowadays, by the way, which is kind of interesting, I think the peso is actually about 20 to one to the dollar right now, which is funny. Um, it shows, yeah, I haven't been to Mexico in like four years and how quickly, how quickly that shit can happen. Um, but beyond, beyond, you know, the fact that Bitcoin is, is a superior, has a superior monetary policy than any of these fiat dollars, um, that peace of mind that it can provide people, uh, especially those who are maybe looking to flee a country, right. Looking to pack up their things and, and head somewhere else, right. Yeah. (laughs) Flee for Liberty. And if you can't bring your money with you, or if you're going to get stopped and searched, like that could be the difference between survival and death on this journey. Yeah. Um, and so something like Bitcoin, I mean, people, people question its utility. I, I mean, that's laughable in my opinion. It's like, yeah. well, I, I don't even know how to measure that utility. I don't even know if there's a val- it's invaluable. Um, yeah. What we're talking about here. It's like saying, what's the, what's the utility of, you know, of, of the first design of the revolver? You know, like when yeah. Samuel Colt, you know, it's like, what's the, it's like, well, <laughs> like this it's is going to, yeah, this has a lot of utility here. Like this is not, this is far beyond shooting people. This is peace of mind. Yeah. This is, I can, ha- I now as a man, I don't even need to have, I, you know, both my arms and I can defend myself against yeah. a man much bigger and stronger than me because I have a revolver, right? What, what's the old <laughs> saying? Uh, God made man unequal and Samuel Colt made them equal. Um, oh, dude, that's like, my my friend always says he's like it's the ultimate yeah. equalizer. It's the ultimate equalizer, right? And it's and it makes it makes government, you know, think twice. Oh when yeah, you've got when you've got four hundred million weapons in a nation, government thinks twice before they do shit like they're doing in, in Australia, where they're telling people they can't leave their homes or can't leave the country. I mean, that's whoa. Um, so, nothing was more telling of how terrified they are whenever biden was like you'd need nukes it's like no yeah, you don't yeah <laughs> see that's the thing is you really you don't. don't you don't <laughs> um, you know yeah. i mean you think about too we go back to the revolutionary war you know why did the continent why did the continental army win 
because they employed the militias and you know they had the 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 low the natives helping them you know and yeah, it's like, there was no there was no winning the war from the for the british it was it was yeah. at the end of the day it was either they were going to fight forever or they were going to lose right I mean, because yeah that's yeah who exactly was they were they were just going to go to the end and like maybe uh, you probably would agree with this sentiment then i said this the other day on a spaces where i was just and i've been repeating this to people i'm developing this theory that that July 4th, 1776 was never supposed to happen in history. That was something that was never supposed to happen. And it changed the course of history because it's not about just the America, you know what I mean? Like the United States of America could completely change and dissolve whatever and become something else. But the, uh, the idea of America and the freedom that was granted on that day was never supposed to exist. And it, and the powers that be, ever since then have been trying to 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 put that back in you know the put the you know close that can of worms and they can't and you know so yeah, it's like put the it's, genie it, back in the bottle no you're right you're right it's the idea yeah and, and the fact that we proved concept right we actually did it and it worked yeah right um so now, like now there's this idea where be, people it's, can, it's infinite replication yeah and they want to be free anywhere yeah. they live in the world you know they I mean, that's why they're trying to regulate the internet to death so that because I think they hate the idea that people can go on the internet and learn for themselves. You know, beyond that, they can organize. People can organize on the internet really quickly. Right. Like that's what I mean by localism. I mean, that's why my name was even, you know, Denver Bitcoin on Twitter was because I planned on talking about Denver, you know, politics and Denver, you know, kind of, I guess, community, you know, news concerts and things. Um, And then Bitcoin. And, the speed at which you can get a group of people together. I mean, I've seen it with Bitcoin literally with, you know, on a, on a Monday night, we start tweeting things out next thing you know, there's 75 people at a bar on Wednesday, like 40 hours later. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, now that's not a lot of, that's not a ton of people, but make it, give us a week. Right. Like, and give it, and give us a week and like a thousand dollars to use the internet to organize <laughs> oh, people yeah. like shit, dude. You know I mean? It gets, it, your returns can go really quickly. And so, you're right. The internet is dangerous. I mean, it's a very dangerous tool for the powers for, for states. Yeah. Well, for yeah. controlling information. Right? That's the thing. It's the ultimate, it's, it's an information equalizer. See, in the same way that a firearm is a physical equalizer, the internet is that is an information equalizer, right? Where now, I mean, imagine trying to being like a professor during the last 15 years where like you went from like teaching a, you know giving where a you were the course. information god yeah where you were the information and then now like you're giving lectures and students are sitting back checking you live yeah. on google you know and they're like actually no it didn't happen you know what i mean like or that's dispute like this is this is the world we live in now and like Which i said I this love, is new <laughs> this is new that. yeah this is very new and so you know and see that's and that's where it gets dangerous is that okay well if we have these open, if we have this open information system, then the way in which to control what information gets, gets out is not by, it's not by the traditional techniques of being the only one talking about it, but it's by discrediting anybody who speaks about information that's contrary to, to what you'd like. Right. So then what you do is you, that's when you bring in cancel culture, right. And you say, well, you know, even though all the words that this guy said make a lot of sense, like, he's he's a bigot so you nothing he says can matter right yeah. like that's where yeah. we're at today is yep. that, that if you get you know the the it's the speaker box mentality it's that if the speaker box is ugly enough 
the sound that comes out of it doesn't matter how beautiful it is. Everyone hates it, right? Everyone disagrees yeah. with that with that sound. Um, it's like if, if if Hitler said the sky is blue, it's like, is it not true because Hitler said it? Like, no, it is. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so it's just one of those things where it's it's this this war of of narrative and this war of of terminology and the words we use have become have become obfuscated to a ridiculous degree. I mean, look at decentralization, look at immutable, like we spoke about earlier with all these shit coins, right? They're not decentralized. I mean, the majority of them are not decentralized, but the word decentralized will be mentioned, you know, a million times on their webpage and in their white paper and whatever else. Um, but they're, and maybe they are decentralized in the sense that there's like, you know, four nodes. Well, yeah. by definition, it's decentralized, right? It's not one central server. So, you could claim it's decentralized, but the meaning, right, in the context... My of, PlayStation is, is decentralized because I have an external hard fun. drive attached yeah, to it. Yeah, exactly, because you know? I have an extra hard... Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's like, unbelievable. Um, the Which, like, whereas split. Bitcoin is decentralized where, you know, everybody is talking about the infrastructure bill, and I was like, you know what? That sucks for the industry in America, but, I mean, Bitcoin will still work. Like, <laughs> it doesn't the, matter. Yeah, I mean, like, we know that that's, that's the real difference between the Bitcoiners and... And everybody else that's talking about this infrastructure bill is that as Bitcoiners, we understand it's not going to kill the thing that we're, yeah. we're building on. We're easily now, it might die. Make, it, yeah, it might make it painful. Like it might yeah. make our lives painful and it might become a total nightmare to, to, to actually build on Bitcoin. And and that sucks. Like we don't want that. I, I get that argument. But the other people there, I mean, they're, they're worried about their, their coin even lasting, like even oh, surviving yeah. regulation. And that's the whole conversation that we're, that, that big, I mean, that's the whole white paper is how do we make something that, that truly cannot be either even co-opted to then be destroyed or, or co-opted to then be controlled. Um, and Bitcoin is God, it's gotta be the closest thing we've ever come to. I mean, it's, it's damn near perfect in, in that sense. It's incredibly hardened. Um, and it also has this unique, this unique kind of phenomenon with Bitcoin where it seems to only attract enemies that are just not powerful enough to defeat it. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. like if you think about it back in 2011, and I'm, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but you know, it's, I've, I've said this many times, but like back in 2011, I think the government could destroy Bitcoin. Like the U S government, I think they could have shut Bitcoin down, right? They like, if they yeah. put some effort into it, like there wasn't enough people running it, they could yeah, have, literally by cared. smothering it. Like, yeah, yeah they just could by have smothered. smothering it. They could have, yeah, they could have smothered it or or done. I mean, it wouldn't have been that hard for them to destroy it. I don't think um, back then, but they had no interest, right? Um, so by the time, like, once Bitcoin gets to a certain size where they're interested in destroying it, it's too big for them to destroy. It's too yep. powerful for them to destroy. And that's how it's been with every enemy. I mean, whether it's it's been the people that want to attack it by you know forking the code right? Like the block size wars. I yeah. mean, that was the straight up attack on Bitcoin. That was Bitmain and those guys, they wanted to control the freaking network. Coinbase. And, well, yeah, fucking, exactly. And they wanted to control the network and they had the majority of hash rate even, right? But the node validators wouldn't, didn't let it happen, right? We had a user activated soft fork and, and, you know, Bitcoin wins the day. Um, Learning that was like one of the most empowering things like that, that happened. Cause I'm, I'm class of 2020. So like learning that that happened, I was like, Wow, like Guy Swan walked me through all that, and I was like, oh, "Yeah, shit, this this thing's unbeatable." Guy and Swan's we, a great a great resource to talk to exactly about the the the, 
block wars. He made a great comparison one time or a great analogy one time. He said, you know, that the increasing in block size is like if we're standing next to the ocean and we're trying to, to empty out the ocean, like the, the water in the mm-hmm. ocean, and we're using like a 12 ounce drinking glass to try to empty the ocean. And, and the, the, B, the Bitcoin cash guys, the big blockers came by and said, hey, instead of using that cup, you should use this five gallon bucket. Yeah. Right. And we went, well, that's still not solve this problem. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, that's not, that's it not doesn't fix what you us. wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's going to be faster. Yeah. It's, you're right. Like actually maybe even like significantly faster. Right. But it's not going to scale to what we needed to the way in which this scales is the second layer, right? The first layer, the drinking glass, we need it to keep it out of drinking glass because everybody can afford a drinking glass. Yeah. And then everybody can run a node. And it's yeah. really simple to run a node because each block is just a little bit of data. And so even 20 years from now, it's only going to be like, you know, 700 gigabytes of data for yeah. you know, 30 years of transactions from the whole world. Um, like that's, I mean, in 20 years, 700, yeah, 700 gigabits of, gigabytes of data ought to cost me like 25 bucks, like maybe. Um, like I think it might, it doesn't cost too much. If then, that no, today. I don't even think it costs 25 bucks now. Like a terabyte today is like 50 bucks, right? Like it's like, or maybe, maybe 60 yeah, bucks. Yeah. yeah. It's not, not bad. Um, maybe a hundred bucks, but like, so, I mean, yeah, in like 30 years, it might be like a dollar. <laughs> right. Like, and so like when people understand these things and they don't see it for like the political, you know, like Bitcoiners are just toxic kind of whatever argument they think it is. Um, I think they, people do get reassured, like you said, right? I, it reassured me that, you know, there was a 51% attack on Bitcoin and it didn't kill the network, right? And in fact, I mean, the white paper plans for a 51% attack, right? Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the gambler's ruin problem. It's, I mean, it's not very fun to try to 51% attack a network. Like yeah. <laughs> it's very costly and there's no guarantee of success. And in fact, all the statistics are against you. So your money and time is spent you know, it's probably better spent scamming elsewhere. Like yeah. there's a lot better scams out there than trying to attack the Bitcoin network. Believe me, um, like the return on it is not going to be good. So, you know, I, I think that that's in a nutshell, the infrastructure bill, I think that that's, and, and these regulations that are coming, that's the, the long, on a long horizon, that's really what's happening now is we're going to see the cannon fodder, the, the shit coins just take it in the teeth because they're, they're not government hard. And mm-hmm. especially if the government's released a central bank digital currency, they'll go around and they'll they'll shut down every single one of these, you know, Uniswap shit coins that they can. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, with the whole like any attack, like, I don't, I'm sure other people said this, but I don't know if Guy and I kind of like coined the term when we were talking about it. And I said, like, because he said, you know, they all want to fork. So it's like, go ahead and fork. And I was like, go fork off in the corner, you know, like, go ahead, go fork yeah. off in the corner by yourself. Yeah, fork off. Do whatever yeah, you I want. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, all, all of us will we'll get a whole bunch of you know your free vaporware coins, and I'll happily dump them. Yeah, you yeah, know? exactly. Like, it's gonna be yeah. it's gonna yeah. be really easy for me to sell those for Bitcoin. That's um, the funniest thing where they go, oh, what if it forks and it's not the original thing? It's like, so I still have the Bitcoin that I had though. Like, if it completely changed or whatever, I still had. Like, you can't take away the coins. You know, like you go ahead and like you said, I'll dump them and go back to the original. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, and, I mean, that's. You know, complete. Sure, give me a chance to acquire more of the real thing. Um, so, uh, so your background. Um, so you're in accounting, right? Is that how you got into the oil and gas industry? 
Do I remember oh, that correctly? Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not an account or anything. Um, but I was working for a company. I was doing like the, I was like the director of sales and marketing for a software company. And the software that I was selling was a production management and production accounting software. Okay, so not a financial okay. accounting, but production accounting. So oil and gas operators, right? You have to imagine, I mean, they have to account for all the volumes that they produce. Um, and they produce three things, right? They produce oil, gas, and water, right? That's, yeah. that's, that's what happens at an oil and gas site, oil, gas, and water. And so they have to account for all that. And they have to report to the, to the regulators every month. Um, and each regulator has like a different way of reporting, right? So like, you know, there's an oil and gas company that owns wells in Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico, and Texas. They all have to report differently, right? Yeah. And so like I was selling a software that helped guys, you know, enter in their daily numbers. And then from all that, all those daily numbers, they could easily submit, you know, a monthly production report and, you know, it saved them a whole shitload of time rather than trying to do it all in Excel spreadsheets and stuff. Um, and so from that, you know, in that job, I was, I went to like a, the first event that like the first oil and gas event that I ever went to was at the Denver athletic club in downtown Denver. And I realized really quickly that while, you know, while I'm a, I'm a pretty good salesman, I'm a, I'm a good business development person, right. I'm, I'm, um, you know, pretty, pretty conversational, I guess, with, even with, you know, strangers in the new industry. Um, mm -hmm. if I, if I didn't have a proficient understanding of, of what our software did, I wasn't going to be able to sell it to these guys, right? I can't, you can't bullshit guys in the oil field. You can't bullshit these engineers, right? Yep. Um, you it's also can't. the best way to be a salesman. You got to actually believe it. You can't. Well, you got to actually know. Yeah. I mean, you got to actually know what value you're selling, right? Like in order to, to truly be a good salesman. Otherwise it's like, I mean, I understood some of the, like some of the benefits of our software, but I don't, I didn't really understand how our software provided that benefit because I didn't really understand what it was doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I went back to my bosses and I told them, I was like, listen, like, like I'm a good salesman. I'm, I'm picking up, you know, what we're doing here, but it's going to be a good bit of time before I'm really, you know, confident in selling this because I don't really understand our software product. I don't understand upstream oil and gas production management. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't really know what I'm selling. And so in order to expedite my, my education on that, and this was, you know, I'm, I'm blessed that I had this opportunity. My boss has actually had me begin doing the production accounting for a couple oil and gas companies. So we had a couple oil and gas customers, guys that had purchased our software and they had asked us to do their monthly production accounting. Um, so they actually outsourced it to us and just paid us. And so that got dumped onto me. And so literally like, I remember my first month sitting there and I had all the daily data, like the pumper went to, you know, the, the well every day and he wrote down the gauge of the tanks and everything else. And I had to type all this into the software and then I had to build these reports. And I remember the first day it was like hell, you know, like I like yeah. almost didn't know what I was doing, but then like, like my boss sat there with me and like walked me through and he's like, okay, so the reason that they're doing this is, you know, it's because they're allocating to the formation. And so we're actually measuring this. And, and then once I understood the production management side of oil and gas, I understood upstream oil and gas production really well, right? Because yeah. when you understand the daily data, the daily volumes and what they're producing, and you understand the economics of what it takes to drill a well and, and explore for oil and gas, right? The volumes are the same as money, right? I mean, it's all the same thing, right? That's what they're selling. And so, you know, from, <clears throat> from that, I could extrapolate, you know, what, what kind of monetary return these guys were seeing based upon their investments and things. And that's where I discovered how much, you know, monetary value is just burned every day in the oil field. 
um, in the form of waste gas, right? In the form of, mm-hmm. of stranded gas that, that can't be brought to market. And I had the same question as anybody. Why are they flaring, you know, what would it. be, yeah, what would be, you know, 20 grand a month, like it's a quarter million dollars a year. Like, why are they just burning that? And my boss enlightened me to the fact that, yeah, like while that gas is good and while it's energy dense and, and really clean methane gas, um, the cost to build a pipeline would be like $25 million. And so they're talking about, you know, the thing makes a quarter of a million dollars a year. You're talking about what a hundred year return. Yeah. Like not going like, to do that. No, like not, not doing it. Um, and so, you know, it's like, so we're just going to burn the gas and produce the oil. Um, and, and then, you know, it, I, I just understood that I realized all of a sudden, though, there's stranded gas in the world. This is crazy. Like, so there's all these companies that are combustion companies and they, they build combustion stacks and that's what their business is, is helping you waste your gas. And I was like, that's crazy. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, right at the time is when I, right when I learned about Bitcoin mining. So it was right when I learned, um, it was right when I'd seen an article about Bitcoin, you know, the bubble popping, um, the mining death spiral. And that's when I was like, Hmm, I was just curious, right. I was just like, I wonder what this scam was all about. And so I went to investigate how the scam worked and or like, you know, what, what the, yep. what the mechanisms of the scam were, if you will, what this Bitcoin thing is. And so I wanted to figure out how it was produced, like what this, what mining was. And, um, it wasn't, it wasn't long into learning about mining. I'd say like the first or second day when I, when I understood that there's the thermodynamic laws that apply to computer science, um, you know, that you, you can't generate a computational hash without some form of electricity, some amount of electricity. Um, that's when I realized that, that mining Bitcoin or producing Bitcoin, it wasn't a scam. Like nobody was pulling the strings. It was an open and competitive energy market. And I knew where there was a shitload of energy that had no home, right? It had, it was literally getting burnt into the air. Yeah. And so uh, I was like, wow. Like, so I just had the the itch. I was like, man, I should see if mining Bitcoin on gas would like make sense. Like, like what are the, what the hell did the numbers look like? And so I had to go figure out, you know, how do I convert natural gas to electricity? How much does a generator cost? Um, And when I went and, you know, dove into those things, I was calling generator companies like, you know, Caterpillar and Moser and Taylor Power and things. Um, And when I finally figured out like what the cost looked like and, and then I figured out how to calculate Bitcoin mining earnings, I was like, this is, this is really competitive. Like this is, this is attractive. This is better than a pipeline for most of these guys, you know, like, um, but I knew that they weren't going to, they weren't going to jump on, they weren't going to jump on the magic internet money train really fast. Um, But I thought that they, I thought that they were going to come faster than they, than they did. Right. So I got, I got nervous and I got a fire underneath me to get involved. So I went, I was like sprinting from that point. Like when I, when I ran the numbers and I realized this opportunity, I, it was like my hair was on fire, man. Like I, I couldn't sleep. Um, I was constantly annoying my dad. Like I just constantly go, I just go over to his house every day and like show him another presentation and like show him more numbers. And he was just getting annoyed with me. Uh, but I inevitably annoyed him, you know, to invest, right. I annoyed him enough to finally invest with me because, because it was a good idea, right. He couldn't argue the facts that like, this opportunity was real and, you know, it was worth the risk. We'll put it that way. Right. It was worth at least trying, you know, taking some risk on this may, may not be worth risking the farm yet, but it's worth taking a little risk. And, um, since then, man, it's been like, it's just been a ride. It's just been crazy. You know, the last thousand days have been insane. It's really cool. Cause the last six months, 
seven months. I'm not really sure when this happened or why this happened. I think I, I think volcanoes had something to do with it, but <laughs> but Bitcoin mining became sexy, right? Like for some yeah. reason, all of a sudden mining Bitcoin like off grid and stuff like became cool. And it wasn't cool. Like when I started, it was yeah. not cool when I was talking about like nobody wanted to talk to me about about mining Bitcoin in the oil field on gas. Um, but now I think people have been educated and now they see kind of how how harmonious, um, you know, upstream energy production and Bitcoin mining are, right? They, they live in complete harmony and anybody that's producing energy, anybody that's generating power today, they ought to be taking a serious look at mining Bitcoin because it's, it's a really innovative technology, disruptive technology when it comes to producing power. So would we be able to get a, a, uh, a, a chapter going in, you know, or an, an arm of the business going in Pittsburgh, because we have Western Pennsylvania yeah. has tons of gas. We, yeah, we are like, uh, I think the New York Times at one point said, like in an article, which I mean, you know, they're so credible, so I'm not going to take them as, <laughs> but uh, they said something, they like said that uh, Western Pennsylvania is like the Saudi Arabia of natural gas. Um, yeah. And there's tons of natural gas wells around us. So I know like Consol Energy. Um, you know, is people's gas, all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I don't know. How do how do how do I get started in that then? Because I mean, I own a streaming platform that's launching and in the movie <laughs> business and do a podcast now. So how do I also add, you know, energy to my to my? Do I just call Consol Energy well, and be like, hey? Do you want to make some extra money? Hey, I mean, that stuff opportunity is open, right? I mean, picking up the phone and finding an oil and gas producer uh, that's got some stranded gas and we're going to deal with them. Hey, the world is our oyster. There's plenty of guys doing that right now. I'm working with a lot of them. And you're right, out in out in Pennsylvania, I've we've sent a couple of, of upstream data hash huts um, out to Pennsylvania. Um, lot oh, of so gas you do have there. some out here? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's there's some guys mining Bitcoin out there with gas. Um, we've we've delivered I think like 125 to North America so far. So we've got a lot out there. Um, How much does a hash hut cost? Anywhere between you know 15 to 135, 140 grand. And how long? What's the ROI like time frame? I mean, I know it. Oh, it all depends. fluctuates with. I mean, it, the Bitcoin variables price. are crazy, right? Yeah, the variables are crazy. They're you know because. If you go with older generation machines, it's going to be different than newer generation machines, obviously. But the ROI is pretty attractive. It's, it's competitive with a pipeline for sure. I'd say, um, you know, all in ROIs are looking like, you know, 12 to 18, 12 to 24 months. Um, oh, that's I mean, it's, it's a, I mean, with, with these oil and gas guys, I mean, a lot of them build pipelines with, you know, the hopes of getting it back in four years. Um, and that's if natural gas remains, you know. Yeah, relatively was... valuable throughout that those 1300 days or whatever um but you know i think with some of the newer machines the that roi can be stretched out maybe a little bit more because there's they're a little bit more capital intensive but the not this is the thing this is where this is where oil and gas guys are getting really excited okay is and i'm talking to them constantly like morning morning yeah. tonight is i'm on the phone with oil and gas producers and you're right an oil now man. when you <laughs> exactly right right, right now when man. you run the well, I'm an oil man. Um, right now, when you when you run the numbers, like guys that are selling gas to the pipeline um, that have pipeline access, they're probably getting two dollars fifty cents, maybe a little bit more than that, uh, maybe a little bit less per MCF um, of gas that they 
sell to that pipeline. And an MCF is thousand cubic feet. Um, if you look at mining Bitcoin with like the newer generation ASICs right now, um, we'll put it this way. Back in May, when it peaked, when the S19s and the newer generation, they, they, their profitability kind of peaked um, recently, they were making about $44 in MCF. So like as opposed to $2, as opposed to $2. And right wow. now they're making like $30 in MCF. Um, the S9s are closer to like, you know, 10 to $13 in MCF. So it's like huh. still five times more attractive than selling to a pipeline. Um, so there's, there's some guys out there like, you know, they've got a lot of oil and gas assets and they, they've got some wells over here where maybe they're, they're flaring a little bit of gas, but over here they're selling gas. And then, you know, they went from having this, this well be the one that's wasting and flaring gas. And this one's making like, you know, a thousand dollars a day. Now, all of a sudden this one's making like $3,000 a day. And you know what I mean? And they're like, shit, should we stop selling our gas over here and just start mining Bitcoin with it? Um, and, and the sheer that optionality, is, that, that sheer is optionality hilarious. is going to, oh yeah, it's going to change. It's changing the entire oil and gas game, right? I mean, it's really early. We're still very early, like top of the first inning, but you know, it's, that's gonna happening. That's gonna that is gonna really whenever you can't get gas because they'll be like, Well, we just stopped selling it to the market because it makes more money on Bitcoin than like people are like, Well, and the sheer optionality of it, right? And so it's like when they work those deals with the pipeline guys, if the pipeline guys aren't gonna give them a good price for their gas, they they have the ability to, like before they didn't have any other option. It was like, Well, what are you gonna do? Like burn yeah. it, right? So the, the pipeline guys had all the leverage. Now the producers have optionality and that's going to change the game in and of itself. But beyond that, it's going to be a massive arbitrage on the natural gas price, right? Because yeah. anywhere where you're connected to pipeline, you're only getting $2 in MCF. If you know you can mine Bitcoin, well, you're going to, you're going to ramp down that supply to the pipeline, you know, as much as it makes sense to, um, you know, within reason. And so, you know, once guys get confident with this technology, once, once they're really competent and confident in running a Bitcoin mine on site, um, I think that's what we'll see. And we're, we're just at the, we're just at the point now where they're, they're figuring it out. Right. They, yeah. they might, they might've had a Bitcoin mine for a year or something like, you know, we've had customers since 2017. So there's been guys out there that, you know, they're, they're buying their eighth or ninth hash hut from us um, wow. because they, they just keep rolling over the profits. Right. They, <laughs> one, of, one of our customers says, says it's like breeding rabbits. Um, <laughs> and, and so you know, the, some guys are just doing that, but the bigger guys, they're a little bit slower to move. And so they're just, they're just now kind of dipping their toes in and they're just now getting acquainted with this and, and becoming proficient with, you know, the technology, the numbers, the investment. Once they actually operate a, you know, a Bitcoin mine for six, eight months, even a year, I could see them go huge. Right. So I think, yeah. you know, the, from now until the next halving, we're going to see insane investment dollars and and time get put into bitcoin mining off grid right away from the grid yeah so the um man that's awesome um and so what what makes up a hash hut i mean what's super exciting what's stuff all, it's just miners and yeah know. well i mean the hash that looks like this here i got a mini one so crypto cloaks makes a node case that looks like one of our hash huts so oh, nice yeah, so this is just so there's just literally miners on on either side of it that are and they're pointing outward. Yeah. And so they their exhaust is blowing out the top and taking the bottom, and then our hash huts just get deeper. 
So like this isn't our eight by four foot and then it can go by eight feet, you know, 12 feet, 16 feet. We can go all the way to 40 feet. So wow. we can, we can, we can build a portable Bitcoin mine that goes, you know, that can consume almost two megawatts in a single, in a single building, um, single 40 foot hash up. But there's a lot of guys out there that just have a little bit of gas, right? So there's no yeah. reason to give them a massive 40 foot building or a C, you know, a C can. Um, it makes sense to build them like an eight by four or an eight by eight. And, you know, they're going to deploy maybe 65, 64 or 128 S9s, or maybe they're going to deploy, you know, 48 S19s or something. Um, but still, I mean, 48 S19s, that's like half a million bucks. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, it's not cheap. Yeah. Serious it's... money or, or 350 grand or something. Right. Um, so like it's, and, and it'd be earning serious money, but even though it would only be consuming maybe you know, 60 MCF of gas a day, which isn't, which is nothing, right? Like there's yeah. wells out there that have a million cubic feet per day. Like there's, there's tons of them. Um, yeah. And the amount that gets flared every day, I think is anywhere between like one and a half billion to 3 billion cubic feet per day in the U S. So, wow. I mean, it's, it's possible. It's like 12 gigawatts of continuous power. I mean, it's, insane it's like that's nuts insane amounts of of power that get that just gets burned off burned off and no utility returned hmm. now so the recent legislation bullshit um you know you're one of the people that it directly affects um i mean it's or, only gonna dire- it's only gonna affect them as much as the irs enforces it to that degree right like i think it, it leaves it open for the irs to then determine whether or not somebody is a financial broker, right? I guess in that piece, but you're definitely right. Like it's gonna, you know, I mean, oil and gas companies are already at a point where they want to stay kind of arm length, you know, an arm's length away from Bitcoin. Like, you know, we, we offer a service at upstream data where we'll even, you know, we'll convert their, their mining rewards to dollars so that they never actually custody Bitcoin. Um, and so that like, they don't actually, they're not actually dealing with it. Right. Just because for some of them, there's just red tape and, um, it's too much. Yeah, it's too. Yeah, much. just kind of like cor- corporate nonsense, right? That kind of comes like they're just. It's the risk is because nobody understands it. Nobody wants to, you know, they're, they're too afraid of it. Um, there's also the, you know, the concept right now where there's, you know, I, I know of oil and gas companies that looked into mining Bitcoin and got really close to purchasing infrastructure to do so, and they got told that they were going to lose their business insurance if they if they owned any kind of cryptocurrency mining hardware right and you I mean, really yeah without business insurance they can't operate so they were like well i guess we're not mining bitcoin anytime soon um so like there's this is still early and yes i think the number one reluctancy for or I, i'd say the number one obstacle for oil and gas producers to get involved in in mining bitcoin is regulatory unclarity right regulatory uncertainty i guess would be the way to say it right Mm -hmm. um they're just they don't they're afraid of what they don't know and they're afraid of what you know what might happen the what ifs um that that you know they could be seen as some type of financial or a monetary processor or something like that those kinds of things when you're talking about a serious company like they can't take those risks and so now i think that the, the the market will solve for that in many ways like like we did upstream where we you know we help mitigate that for some oil and gas companies where they don't have to touch Bitcoin. Um, I think that there's going to be other services that pop up where not only do they allow, like not only do they, do they kind of professionalize the custodial aspect of 
dealing with Bitcoin, but then they can offer you um, collateralized loans, you know, up to maybe, you mm-hmm. know, 50, 70 cents on 70 cents loan to value um, so that you can then take that, that money and go, you know, expand your business elsewhere. Um, like, I think there's going to be a lot of financialization and, and tools that, that get tools and services that get directed, you know, specifically for oil and gas producers that want to mine Bitcoin. Again, we're just so early, right? Yeah. Um, I, the infrastructure bill doesn't help. Um, and obviously whoever has been lobbying and in Washington on behalf of Bitcoin hasn't been doing shit. Um, yeah. because here we are. I mean, like, I, I mean, and this kind of like came out of the blue, like, I, like nobody saw it coming. It was, what the hell? Um, government at so, its yeah. finest where they just throw it like one page into like a, you know, 2,700 page document and they don't understand 2,700 pages. I mean, that is insane. Nobody read that thing. Nobody read it. Yeah, like, I mean, it, it's kind of funny, like not that I'm saying El Salvador is better than the United States, but like, you know, we talked about how the Internet, like how quick things can happen. Like, I don't know if you were in Nick Carter's room when it became like there were like 24,000 yeah. people and, you know, the president of El Salvador is in there and like we're hearing them pass it into legal tender live. And um, and so, like, you know, the viral, you know, the virality of of the internet but and how quickly we can organize but also like i think they said something like oh yeah we're not like the united states like it's just one page like it's just one thing it's let's make the like let's make bitcoin we're legal actually tender. just we're actually talking about exactly what we're going to pass we're not hiding a whole bunch of bullshit you know on pages two through 2700 um yeah, yeah you know it's absolutely ridiculous i mean I, I think we've gotten to a point where Again, it's the good news is I don't think that anything the government does will stop, will, will, will determine Bitcoin's survival. But I do think it will determine our comfort as Bitcoin users. And so we might have some uncomfortable times ahead of us, yeah. say that, right? We, we might have some pain on the horizon. And you see that in pain in price or pain as in like just have to reorganize well price i would say that they i mean i think the government can do a pretty swift job of crushing price pretty quickly i mean they just announced yeah that they announced that they're going to make it illegal or they're going to tax it this way or they're going to try to tax it this way even if they're not going to be successful in passing the tax um just all those things can can initiate a you know a price topple um but it's temporary right it won't it won't go to zero because i'm buying um and like it'll just prolong the inevitable, but it might be painful for us in between, right? It might be, it might be a little bit um, more like not as fun to endure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, as if they were to make really responsible and and open minded, you know, very non intrusive regulation and legislation around Bitcoin that maybe helps the industry flourish because there's clarity around the regulate, you know, around regulation. And so then people feel comfortable investing and building, but they can also do the exact opposite and they could keep it unclear for a long time. And any information that comes out is typically negative. And so people are just, you know, like nobody's going to bring any real serious money or dedicate any real serious time um, until they know that uncle Sam isn't going to rug pull them. Um, but you yeah, know, I, it's- again, it's going to survive. Like that's the good news about Bitcoin is it's not going to die. Um, I'm not going to 
turn off my node. I'm not going to stop mining it. Like I'll do it illegally. Freedom will exist somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I will, you know, I will, I will, you know, I mean, I'll peacefully disregard those laws (laughs) and I will, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to cause any violence upon doing so, but I'm, I am not going to obey something that tells me I can't run a Bitcoin node or I can't mine Bitcoin. I mean, that's, that's tantamount to telling me I can't say something, right? Yeah. Uh, it's tantamount to speech, right? Because I mean, that's all this is. This is code. This is open code source is information. This is speech. And so, you know, to, they're, they're trying to regulate speech right now. That's how we should treat this. That's how we yeah. should treat them. Well, and, you know, I'll, you know, gladly show my, my movies plus uh, platform. Uh, the apps will be out in like six days. So by the time anyone hears that for most people, <laughs> it'll be out. Yeah. But we're, we're like, we are, um, fiercely defending first amendment rights, you know, freedom yeah. of speech. And, um, so we're, we're there for everyone that gets canceled. Um, and you know, there right now, there might be people on the left that'll be like, we're not politically leaning one way or the other. So they might be like, Oh my God, you're giving voices to people on the right, um, that are getting canceled. And I keep telling people, I'm like, I'm going to be there for you when you get canceled. Cause eventually this ugly cancel culture will turn its head on you and it'll come to devour you. You know, like even Bill Maher, like, you know, they're trying to like go after him because he was, you know, talking well, negatively Cuomo. about cancel coach. Cuomo was like the leader of cancel culture back. I mean, only like a few months ago and now he's toast. Oh, he's, he's like, eviscerated. Yeah. So it's like eviscerated by it. Yeah. Nobody deserves, everybody deserves to have their voice. So that's, you know, that's our, that's our big motto. Um, and, uh, you know, people have, surprise you know I'm, i say it sarcastically surprisingly people want to have their voices heard and want freedom of speech so yeah i think bitcoin will be fine and i think ultimately too i've been telling people it's going to get ugly you know like do you think like the the fed and all the powers that be that control yeah, I, everything i don't think gonna... they're going to go without kicking and screaming they're going to yeah. kick and scream yeah i mean they're going to lose that's the that's the beauty of bitcoin is that we're all sitting here going like uh, they have no idea they lost they lost the yes, hand is they over. already lost the hands over and you can just watch them flip out. They're going to throw all their chips at the poker table. They're going to flip chairs. They're going to make a scene. They're going to get carried out by security. And all you no, have to do is just, down. I mean, they will burn. That's the thing is the people in power. I mean, I, I believe this. I see it. You know, I really believe that they will, they would rather see the world burn than they would see the world outside of their power, right. Outside yeah. of their control. Like they would rather it all go to hell then it no longer be under their thumb. And, and that's a scary, I mean, that's who we're dealing with. You know, it's like, I think we're dealing with people. I mean, they're, they're willing to do things that I'm not willing to do. You know, like, I think they're, they're willing to do worse things, things I wouldn't, you know, lines I'm not willing to cross. I think these are people that, that would cross those lines. And so thank God Bitcoin's Bitcoin's hard enough that, that, that I don't have to, to do anything crazy. Yeah. Right. Like that's what's so beautiful. I don't have to be violent. I, it's a nonviolent revolution. I get to just opt out. I get to just say, I don't want to play your rigged game anymore. I'm just going to, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go over here and play this game. Just leave me alone. Um, but they're never, I mean, I don't know if they're going to leave us alone, man. I, I just don't, I don't see how, how the, the fed loses the power of its money printer without an insane fight. Like I just, do you think we're in the middle of that right now? No, I don't think it's really even started yet. Like, I think I think they're only going to really start screaming when Bitcoin's like a $25 trillion asset, like when we're over a million dollar Bitcoin. 
that's when they'll start flipping out. And at that and point, that's when they, oh they my start, God, think that's how when they start seeing be. it. Cause then we're 10 X away from the treasury markets and it's, you know, yeah. Um, um, yeah, yeah. No, that's nuts. Um, well, and so I got to ask you about, uh, so you tweeted and helped give me like a 300 follower boost. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Did you mean to include me or was that by accident? I couldn't believe no, that I, I was a part of that. No, I know, I know that, uh, that Coinbeast ended up sponsoring you. And yeah. um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Coinbeast and all their Bitcoin only education that they've been doing the last you know year. Yeah. And um, so, you know, I'd seen that Coinbeast had sponsored you. And I talked with uh, John at Coinbeast who said that um, you were a good guy and that you were, you know, kind of set out to, to, to make a little bit of a different podcast that was set more probably tailored a little bit more toward earlier audiences, I guess. Yep. Um, and so I was all about it, man. Heck yeah, I was going to give you a shout out. I was I mean, like, I could, I was sitting there looking at the list. I was like, holy shit. Like I don't deserve to be on this list with all these other people. Oh, definitely, like, man. I mean, you're putting in, you're putting in time, putting in work to, to try to, you know, get, get information out there and give people like me a chance to, you know, help educate as well. Um, plus it sounds like you had some sweet guests. I mean, if you had, you had Dylan on, I mean, he's awesome. I freaking, I freaking love talking with Dylan. He's, <laughs> he was one of the yeah. few that back in like the 2018 bear market, there was only like, you know, like 25 of us that were out there <laughs> tweeting about Bitcoin when it, when it was crashing at $3,000. Um, yeah. And he was one of them, you know, it's like, like we all knew each other back when we only had like 20 followers each. Um, and we were just talking about Bitcoin to start loans themselves. And so uh, really cool to, to, to see him on there, see his, his success, right. And his, his yeah. work at Bitcoin magazine has been awesome. So. Oh love yeah. That yeah. Yeah. And like, and then Guy Swan was he's he's great. I mean, oh, I Guy had, Swan, the Swan brothers are awesome. Guy and Jeff are great. Yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, Jeff is gonna come on. He said he wants to set up his like recording situation. He was like, I gotta get it like all back up and running. But but yeah, I want to have yeah. him on. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's just been fun. And um, and yeah, the I the Coinbeast reaching out to sponsor just totally blew me away. Like I I always say, I'm stunned that people actually listen. Like I'm, I'm, I'm doing this to learn and like, just, you know, BS <laughs> and have fun. And I'm like, I was sitting there, I'm like, Oh my God, like people listen, like what? Well, people, yeah. Cause people are doing the same thing, man. They're looking to like, I, I listen to so much audio content all the time. Like while I'm working, I usually always have something going on. Um, I'm usually listening to something. And so it, it's just, it's more stimulating than, you know, what the news or Bloomberg terminal or whatever they're talking oh, about, yeah. or it's either that or music. Right. And man, in this day and age with, with how fast the world moves and with, which is so much going on, like it's, it's hard to, to disconnect a little bit. It's hard to, to not want to hear from these minds that I admire and like what their, what their most recent thoughts and most recent kind of theories are on the world, yeah. you know? So like cool. there's, there's something, there, there's something there. you definitely are going to have an audience. I mean, if you're, if you're bringing on, you know, good minds, like people are always looking for, for good information and stimulating conversations yeah and um and so you're a partner with coinbeast right well, no, i mean i kind of i like i help them out i mean i kind of work for them i guess um but yeah. they, they came to me early on and just were were asking if i could help them you know get a twitter presence and like just help them um you know like give advice on what topics maybe they they should dive into and write about like what products maybe they should review or do some stuff on and so i was just kind of helping them out and then um, and then they asked me to be uh, one of the pros on their Coinbase Connect platform, right? So that yeah. I could, anybody that wanted to learn about mining, they could they could um, pay to get connected with me and do like a consultation. And so 
um, I was I was all about it, right? They, I mean, their their mission is um, what is it? It's adoption through education, right? Yeah. And and they're Bitcoin only, and so um, I've just known the guys over there. One of the Coinbeast guys is also a investor in upstream data, actually. So okay. was, and that I didn't even like know that crossover until after the fact. Um, but you know, so we've collaborated in other ways as well. And so it's just, you know, other, other great Bitcoiners that are trying to help educate the world. And so I'm, I'm always, I'm always happy to support and advocate for those people. You know, um, it's, it's, it's the ones that are kind of like, I don't know if they're just like clout chasing, you know what I mean? Like there's Mm -hmm. like, there's, you know, there's like either news, like they're like Twitter accounts or whatever that pop up and they act like they're trying to be like a news source or something, but then they end up really just like shilling all these other coins. And like, yeah. um, you know, I, I was thinking about doing it the other day too, is many people don't, maybe people don't really know this um, or they think it's not true, but it's, it's 100% fact. Like if you, once you get a certain amount of followers on Twitter, you'll just start getting offers from shitcoin developers to advocate for their shitcoin, and then they'll give you and they'll give you a whole bunch of it as payment. They're like, we'll give you like I, I I'm gonna put together a whole bunch of screenshots, but they're like, yeah, we'll give you a hundred thousand, you know, skeleton tokens if you <laughs> you know do a quoted tweet and retweet. Um, we really like your Twitter content and your audience, and I'm like, fuck. I mean, so it's like yeah. literally peek behind the curtain. This is it's nothing more than people trying to take advantage of the FOMO money that that is being invested in you know crypto as a whole they're just going out and making a token and then they just go to try to create hype create a ticker and spam the internet so that they get a lot of mentions and then hopefully it'll translate into a little pump and then they can dump all these coins they made and buy a bunch of bitcoin um and so like and that's all i would do if i ended up being one of these scammers like and took their coins i would just go dump their tokens on the same like i would literally be tweeting to people hey go buy this token at the same time that I'm dumping it on them. Oh that's yeah. why that's why Bitcoiners like call out these shitcoiners. That's why we we you know so so rigorously defend and and call out these people is because what they're doing is just it's a really simple kind of cash game. It's just a cash grab game, right? Yep. That's all it is. It's like hey these are hot times. If you want to grab some cash, all you got to do is make this little coin say these words and dump them. Like it's Robert um, Breed clout. <laughs> I mean, at least Robert came out and apologized. I, I appreciate yeah. his apology. Oh yeah, I've um, tried to get him not, back on the podcast. He he blocked me, but do. uh, but then he unblocked yeah. me. I've I've tried to get him on. I told him I used the the gif from the office whenever Michael's like the prodigal, the pro prodigal son return. My son returns. Oh, yeah. You know, I was like, I'll, yeah. you'll be the prodigal son. You know, I'll I'll welcome you back. I'll I give mean, you it a hug. just sucks because it's like, dude, and, and like he bought and re- he bought, sold, and then like he like, bought again and sold again, like because you can see the transaction history. It's like, um, it's like, what are you putting out there into the universe? You know, what I mean, if you're like, exactly, and it corrupts you your own conscience? freaking mind and your own psyche. Yeah. Um, it truly does. It truly does. And you know, that's that's the thing. Like, I mean, I tweeted out the other day that I would, if, if somebody offered me a hundred Bitcoin to to advocate that all my followers get the vaccine i'd screenshot it and mock them right yeah um, and like people give me a whole bunch of like first of all everybody was like oh you should just take the bitcoin and then and then still screenshot it and mock them i'm like okay first of all those aren't the rules of the game here people yeah. the whole idea of this exercise is to say hey would you would you advocate people to do something that you truly don't believe in for an amount of money and my point like i have enough money that i don't need to break my principles mm-hmm. right like i'm not i'm not scrooge mcduck 
gajillionaire. And of course I could certainly use more money, but not at the cost of, of my own values, my own principles. Right. And not yeah. certainly not at the cost of what I just, what I believe to be not true. Right. So I, I in other words, what somebody's doing when they're, if, you know, they're in this exercise is saying, would you compromise yourself for money? Um, and, and if that answer is ever right, that if that answer is ever, ever yes, yes, I would, then that's you've a got big a problem. problem. You've got a serious problem. You have like, you're easily compromised. Now that being said, everyone has a price. Mine isn't money. Mine would be like, it wouldn't be giving me something. It'd be taking something away from me, right? Like you're going to harm somebody I love. Like you've got, you've got leverage over me. Um, like that's more my price, like, but to just be bought and, and bend on your principles for what, just for your own greed, like for a little bit of that. money, you know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, even if it's a lot of, you can never buy that back. You can never buy what you just sold back. Right. Cause what well, you just sold was, was yourself. You just sold your own, your own value system. Yeah. I mean, what he, you know, Robert unfortunately sold his, you know, his credibility and, he lost a lot of credibility and, for sure. Yeah. And, I mean, that sucks, you know, and, and, and I think, but by the way, he did earn some back, right. It's credibility is very hardly gained and very easily lost. Um, but he gained some back by, by apologizing and. You not know, many shit coiners, you know, like I, I, you know, is Roger Ver ever going to come back? <laughs> no. Could, that's a great question though. Could Roger Ver come back and be re- redeemed? I think he could. He just will never, it'll never happen. He'll never do it. You know, like, like what, what would he have to say though? Like, what, what would he have to say? Like, like he had to come I mean, back he, and be like, okay, guys, listen, I just wanted to become a gajillionaire. Like, well, what does he have to say yeah. to like uh, justify his actions? You know what I mean? Of full on attacking the network and trying to more or less destroy this thing that provides all these these amazing goods to the world. Like, I think if he would just if, to me, if he would admit that he got obsessed with the idea of making a shitty PayPal, and <laughs> that you know, it's like he became obsessed with banking the unbanked didn't see the big picture and if he came back and was like you know what guys everything i was trying to do can be done on lightning um my bad that's okay yeah no if he's i mean it, that, it, that but would be do honest, you think I that's think gonna happen yeah no it's not yeah. I don't think it's gonna happen because he doesn't i mean why would he um yeah i mean i said that to dan held because he, he's been around for a while you know and i said it's gotta be tough you know, like you see a lot of people that, you know, and then they just, they, they fall away. I don't know if you saw my, my pinned tweet is I'm making it to the shit queeners hall of fame, a uh, hall of shame. And it's just <sighs> a thread that keeps going. So the first one was, you know, you either die a Bitcoiner or you live long enough to see yourself turn into Roger Veer. And it was Chamath on the one side and Roger Veer on the other. And then the next one was Elon, you know, like you either turn it exactly. die a Bitcoiner or turn into Chamath. And then Robert Breedlove. So it's like, I wanted to become this thing where it's like, hey, like I'm watching and don't make me put you on that thread. Like, you know, we're, we're let's just keep everybody in check here. You know, if, if you ever shit coin, it's going to, I'll throw you up there. I don't care if I'm, I, I said, if Guy Swan turned, if Guy Swan <laughs> turned into a shit coin or not oh, against God. Bitcoin, then I think it's over. Like, I think then, Bitcoin is, <laughs> then Bitcoin's dead. Yeah, it is dead because yeah, he. I mean, if, if either of the Swan brothers become shit coiners, then Bitcoin has failed. Yeah, yeah, but that <laughs> never happened. Yeah, so no, of course not. I mean, those guys are the best. Um, I mean, it's an interesting thing, right? And you know, I mean, it's like I mean, I I looked at it the same way. Like I, I thought it was hilarious when I, I went and looked at my big cloud and I could have I could have sold like six thousand dollars of tokens. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, but like, what? Like, well, yeah. 
at what cost? You know, that's what I mean is people, I think, I think the stack as much Bitcoin at all costs is, is a fun meme. And definitely you, I think you should. So your chairs and. You know. Yeah. And I think you should, I think you should look at your net worth in terms of Bitcoin, right? Because it's, it's a really tough thing to make your net worth go up in Bitcoin. Right. Like, so if you're, no matter what, all the assets you're holding, because you look at your house, right? Your house has diminished greatly um, in terms of how many Bitcoin is worth over the last few years. And so um, I, I think that's a good exercise. But we should also not lose sight of like, it doesn't mean scam to get as much Bitcoin yeah. as possible, right? It's not, it's not get as much Bitcoin at all costs. Um, I think it's, you can provide honest value in this world. I mean, there's so much opportunity to, to make money out there in the world today, especially with the internet. It's, it's just insane to me that people go on the internet to complain about how they're not, they don't have enough opportunities to, you know, in this world. And I'm like, you're sitting here complaining on the thing that is, that gives you unlimited to do anything in this world. I mean, it's, you can connect with anybody. You can send a million messages a day to all the people that you want to work for and hound them until one of them gets back to you. Like it's, you can figure out who the individuals are that would actually be interviewing you and you can go figure out what they like. And then you could become interested. You could join the same country club as them. I mean, like there's a million yeah. freaking ways to leverage this amazing tool known as the internet. And honestly, access to the internet for most people, they don't even pay for it. Yeah, uh, like literally users are like our free riders. Um, and so it's just nuts to me that people are out there and the, the way that they go to make a buck is by, you know, creating a shit coin or an NFT of a rock that sells for like a hundred million dollars. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's just insane to me. I got, that's why I'm so happy to be working at upstream data because you know what I'm doing, like I'm, I'm really fulfilled by my work, right? Because I, when I work with guys, they have a problem and we help, so we help them solve their problem. We help them become better at what they're doing. Um, and then when you help people become better, the world becomes a better place. Right. And if you get to make a profit on the way, that's, that's fantastic. Like I tell most people, if you think you have a business, but you're not solving a problem, you don't, you probably don't have a very good business. Nope. Right. Like yeah. if you want to start a business, go find a problem to solve. Right. And then you probably have a business. Like now all you got to do is figure out how to solve that problem for less than, a, than less than what you're going to charge people to do it. Um, most people, you know, because they just want to, they just, they just want to get rich yeah. easy, I guess. Um, it's, 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 it's a crazy well, world we live in these days. That's what, uh, you know, I laughed at for years, you know, sell, like selling distributing movies and like we go to all these markets and festivals and always got approached by somebody that made a new streaming platform and they were like, we're going to be, you know, we're going to, we're looking to grow. We're going to be big, blah, 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 blah. And you're just like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. Okay. Here we go. Here's another new streaming platform. Yeah. You're going to take down Netflix. Um, and then here I am releasing a streaming platform. Um, but it was like, whenever I came to the idea, like I saw the silencing and it's like, you better, you better offer something different. You better. It's like kind of had to put my balls on the line and uh, basically, you know, save that we'll give a voice to everybody and offer that place where there's a market we're solving a problem people are yeah getting shut out and nobody is i mean the amount of interest is is crazy that uh yeah. like i think i think our platform is gonna is just gonna explode very quickly so is your is your platform it's like literally tailored to everybody that's been canceled this i mean is the place to come we're we're basically i guess it kind of becomes that because you know we're a landing spot for them um 
and in a lot of you know ideologies that are getting silenced they're getting voices with us but we also have like a cachet of like you know movies and stuff that like it's like extra stuff for people to watch so my idea is like i want people because we're trying to you know we're making it like affordable so you, you can get like once we have everything going it'll be like 20 20 the retail and 29.99 but with some promotions you can get 24.99 for the entire year and it's like if we have two movies on there that you're like i'd buy those movies then you're getting those for you know you're you're paying two for 25 bucks and then you get everything else for free basically you know what i mean like that's the mentality yeah. we want people to have well yeah um, and honestly dude if you set it at like two dollars and fifty cents a month like which would be thirty dollars a year right um yeah. like you're beyond competitive and for what's and out for there. us yeah and you know so when i look at it from like bitcoiners like how you said providing value you know like because now all of a sudden it's like well, shit like i have a little bit of you know i have some momentum in the bitcoin world and um you know like it people want to probably come and watch stuff on our platform and and i by the way i've i've said it a million times to people but i'm doing <laughs> i'm making a an animated show for the platform and it's gonna be called the citadel and it's all bitcoiners living in awesome. the citadel um and it's gonna be like a family guy humor style um Love and it. uh and but like for me to get bitcoiners to want i don't want them to just come to the platform and support me because i'm a bitcoiner like i have to give them value where they could look at it and go you know what for 25 bucks here's two documentaries that i really wanted to watch so i'll pay that and then you know we'll reward them like their their faith in us is going to be that they're going to get a bunch of content you know in the next year to come that's going to be satisfying for bitcoiners and and uh and yeah it's it's uh be interesting but um no it'll be fun man i mean I, I think it'd be fun to talk to you know to have kind of those those dialogues with people who have been you know quote unquote canceled and to kind of see what that looks like and see yeah. their, i mean I've, I've always wanted to kind of hear that experience i mean i think it's insane that social media completely canceled donald trump i mean i think that's like one of the most un-american things oh, that was the i've most ever heard of in my moment. entire life i mean it's, i can't believe people aren't like and I don't like or, him. <laughs> I don't really, I mean, honestly, I don't really, I don't like any of them. Like, yeah, I don't like, I'm a, just, I'm like one politician. There's not one person. It's absolutely insane that there's like this. And you can silence just, the sitting you president. See, you can see how powerful information is then, right? That they literally can't take this guy. They, they can't stand him leveraging their platforms to, to, you know, put out messages that they don't like. Um, and they just really hate him. And so, I mean, I know that was just crazy to me. Like, I'm, I'm interested to hear, you know, I mean, I haven't heard from Donald Trump since, you know, like, I don't think anybody has, right? Yeah, the guy hasn't yeah. like talked at all since since um, Biden was was um, inaugurated, and so, you know, I, I'm curious to to see kind of how all that pans out because because it's absolute bullshit, right? I mean, we we can't have this precedent. I mean, that's like the Catholic Church back in the day where they used to be able to they used to literally be able to exile people, and because you know, 90% of people yeah. on earth were Catholic, like people were literally ostracized from the world and yep. social media companies have a similar kind of a, a power. Certainly internet service providers have that power. And if it comes to a head, we're going to, we're going to have like, that'll, that'll turn into kinetic war really quickly. If, if we, you know, talk about people getting silenced on, on mass scale problem is that they'll just, they'll just pick and choose, you know, they'll just pick yeah. and choose who they, 
really silenced. It's just well, I have a, a I have game. A, I have a potential solution to that that we can talk about here if you have a minute once we're done recording because uh because I might uh, I don't know if you're interested in investing in other things and all that but I've yeah I, that's my that's my big. I'll tell you about it once we stop recording. I don't want to release too much info yeah. out there to people that uh, just, uh, you know, I don't want them to run with the idea. But anyways, <laughs> um, well, dude, Adam, thanks so much for coming on. You know, I really appreciate it. You know, tell people where they can find you and, you know, uh, and what where, where yeah. they can keep track. And if they also want to, you know, Coinbeast, I mean, thanks for them sponsoring. And, you know, if they want to talk to you, they can actually do that. They can just go on to Coinbeast Connect and, and boom, yeah. sit down and you'll give them everything they need. So that's definitely one place. So you can find me on, on Twitter at Denver Bitcoin. Um, but yeah, if you want to connect, definitely check out coinbeast.com. Um, there's a connect button on the top there and you can go see there's, it's not just me. There's, there's a bunch of other um, Bitcoin professionals in the industry that kind of have different various topics of, of expertise. Uh, mine happens to be mining. And so I, I talk with people all the time um, who were interested in either investing in Bitcoin mining or, Maybe they're already mining a little bit, but they're looking at going to like an industrial scale. And so they're just looking for some insight. Um, I donate half of those proceeds to Bitcoin Core Devs. So nice. the money that you spend to, to meet with me, not all of it's going to my pocket. A lot of it's going just to you know help Bitcoin Core developers feed themselves. Um, but also check out Upstream Data for sure. Um, Upstream Data, we're, we're a company based out of Canada and we're building um, oil field infrastructure for oil and gas producers to mine Bitcoin. And so... You know, it's, I think it's one of the most exciting parts of the industry is, is how Bitcoin is kind of intertwining in energy production and how it's, it's persisting throughout the entire oil and gas industry. Um, so if you're, if you're interested in anything like that, definitely check out Upstream Data. Um, their website's upstreamdata.ca, I believe. And um, shoot, an, shoot an email to them if you ever want to get in touch. I'd be happy to talk with you if you're, if you're looking to maybe potentially mine some Bitcoin in the oil field. I'd be, I'd be interested in, in speaking with you about that and building for you. So, um, but no, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. This is, this has been a blast. I hope, I hope uh, you get an, a, a bunch of awesome guests on this podcast. And I really hope the streaming platform works out too. Well, yeah. Too, yeah. No. I mean, it's, I, we need it, right? Because we truly, we need some type of a platform where we know people aren't going to be silenced from it. So you could always, you know, it'd be the default to be the, Hey, if this person's canceled from everything, you know that you can go to this platform and find their content. Like, I yeah. think that's, I think that's a cool idea. It's gonna, uh, it's a, there's a need, so we'll fill it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Awesome, Corey. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Appreciate-